You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Radical Australia and Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. So listen in to your favourite guest at any time you like. My name's Joseph Toscano, and uh, our guest for this afternoon is uh, John Lawrence. Hello, John. G'day, Joe. How are you? Good. Look, John, look, we'll start at the beginning and we'll work through. I know you're a little bit hesitant about doing a 56-minute interview. Yeah, uh, five to six would be long enough. <laughs> yeah, you're not a bloke who kind of, you know, uh, no, no, keeps going. Because no. I've known you for over two decades. I think you're a remarkable human being. I think it's about time the rest of the world learned about you. That's my opinion. Uh, now, now, John, I know you're a modest man, so don't there. jump in there. Yeah, I know you're modest. Now, John, what year were you born? 54, 1954. 54. And uh, where were you born? Uh, Fern Tree Gully. Fern Tree Gully. We lived at Sassafras at the time until I was eight. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, you lived at Sassafras. And who did you live with, your parents? Yeah, the whole family. Parents was six children and mum and dad and unfortunately right. things changed after uh, eight years and uh, we moved up to the Yarra Valley, my mum and the brothers and sister. Uh, right, right. Dad was yeah, a, that... a prisoner of war and uh, was a very deep thinker and and uh, in those days, that was the Second World War, he was a prisoner in Germany for four years and they didn't have any post-traumatic disorder syndrome things back then or help or anything so anyway the, no. yeah, I, I learned right. a lot from my dad and he was yeah uh, i read a letter yeah. that he wrote coming back on the ship from yep. europe and how we uh wanted to work for the betterment of all the whole human race you know and uh right and so, right. so, yeah. so, so <laughs> how come he found himself in the prisoner of war camp where where was he captured do you know yeah, he was. Uh, he saw the war clouds coming, and, and and he wanted to stand up against fascism and Nazism, and uh, so he joined up pre-war. He was an officer pre-39, and uh, mm-hmm. fought on the Greek and Creek campaign, and uh, right. fought in Greece and Crete, sorry, and uh, yep. yeah, then four years in prisoner of war in Germany. And, um, that was a particularly vicious campaign in Crete. If I remember correctly, the uh, Nazis were quite um, barbarous to the local population who, I think, protected yeah. a number of uh, Australian troops. Yeah, a lot. The, 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 the vision took their name after Adolf Hitler. Leaves stone for Adolf Hitler. And, um, yeah. that was, they started off as Hitler's second ring of security and turned into a division and they were very, very vicious soldiers, the Germans, in that particular division. So, uh, yeah. anyway, anyway, I grew right, up so with a lot of thinking, heavy thinking people, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I suppose that rubbed off. We then we yeah, what, then lived, lived a, an alternative lifestyle, and that was in the 60s, you know, built the mud brick house with a little mm-hmm. country community and milked the goat and made the cheese and made the butter and baked the bread mm-hmm. and... And then there was always a background of a hell of a lot of intellectual discussion going on. And uh, right. I just took that so as a norm, I think. And how did you find yourself in this situation? This is very unusual in Australia in the mid-60s. Uh, yeah, no, it was just a little community up on the way up to Paltown, up the Yarra Valley. And yep, uh, yep. we kind of ended up there and then yeah. got a little two-acre block of land. Uh-huh. Uh, did some schooling in Warburton and then a couple of years uh, homeschooling and then off to boarding school. Uh, boarding me. school? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. How old were you when you went to boarding school? I think I was 13. I right, know. right. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't think you, I don't think you're the type of bloke that would uh, 
fit into a boarding school. How did you go? I oh, know. Well, John? we didn't have much say in the matter. <laughs> no, no, no. But once you got there, how did you? How did you survive? Ah, uh, no, it was just you know, with everything was rules and regulations, kind of. So didn't have much mm. say about choosing what you were about to do. You, you know, there was the whole academic thing, and then of course it was famous for its footballers. Something uh-huh. always killed more. And uh, yeah. you had to play footy whether you wanted to or not, and cricket and everything else. So. But it was okay. Yeah. It's funny I say the word okay, because in all my letters home, the highest level I ever got to was okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never good or excellent. Well, you know, it's, it's better to than fail, 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 isn't it? Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, my, my saying, I used to say okay. Okay, okay. Well, Academically, I, was, I love social studies and, and English literature, you know. Really? Yeah. Any teachers uh, had, a, had an impact on you, do you think? Yeah, there was one. We used to call him and Brother Sharpie. He had Sharpie haircut. Evans, I think right. his name was. And uh, when I told him in Form 5 that I decided to be, be become a carpenter and joiner, he said I was throwing my life away. You know, he, he expected me to go, you know, I don't know what, what he expected, to go into tertiary, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. maybe law or something. But uh, well, the community mm-hmm. I grew up in, a hell of a lot of emphasis was working with your hands and and and, and thinking seriously with your head, you know. Right. And, uh, uh, almost going back to uh, peasant kind of culture from Europe or something. Was, well, yeah, it is. I mean, what made uh, what made uh, you want to become a joiner and a carpenter? Um, I think the people who built our house they they were they were the two brothers, and we helped them, and uh, they were the ones who were had very deep conversations, discussions, debates. And and uh, mm-hmm. but they worked at the same time. And I remember one of the brothers described his other brother as a rounded person, you know. And they yeah, rounded. Working and thinking. So uh, right. I think they must influence me. He did. He did. He did. I got him to write out a reference. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so so what type of what what type of things have been discussed at that period? Was the uh, Vietnam War part of the discussion, or you know about the Industrial Revolution, about the, the um, being a wage slave versus being a free person, uh, or spiritual things? Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like I didn't pay that much attention as I was growing up around it. But it, it's just sort of what, what around you influences you, of course. And, yeah. Uh, it was the opposite to kind of working in a factory and and and, and uh, you know having to answer to a boss and all that kind of stuff. Of course, it could so be you... done to a certain degree. You can we never never yeah. reach full self sufficiency. No. But, uh, so where did your parents hail from? Where did your dad come from? Where did your mum come from? Uh, dad was Australian. I can't remember. Mm. Uh, Third-generation Australian from Scotland originally. Great mm-hmm. great grandfather was a captain of the the Cuddy. Not, he had the Cuddy Sark in his blue funnel line. The story yeah. was he ran away as, and, 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 and wouldn't let his kids go out to sea again. And uh, so Dad came from that. You know the big farm up the Riverina. Yeah, and Scotch College educators too, but uh, then the whole army thing came in. Although, and and he met Mum when he came. And he had three months leave in Britain uh, when he was released from prison when the American army came through in Germany, and he mm-hmm. met my mum and married within three months. And then, so right. she was a Scottish the whole way back, McDonald's and right. Stewart's. So that's oh. their background. Yeah, and I understand your mum's still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 96. I only stopped driving a couple of years ago. So. Yeah, right. 
and she lives independently still, does she? For a little bit of yeah, all help for Martin, the, the visiting nurses and the, and the healthcare right. workers who are doing a great, great job at the moment, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So happy that yeah. Mum's not in the nursing home. No, I can imagine. So, so yeah. what impact did, did your mother have on, on you? Uh, well, that growing up, like I said, uh, in, mm. uh, that, what, what I'd refer to now as an alternative lifestyle, but at the time we right. didn't have a label or not like that, you know? Right. So, right. So, so did you do farm work uh, on that two-acre farm? What, what, what were you, what, there was what always, you, you know, we had the goats, the milk, and the, and, uh, right. the chooks, and the ducks, and the... And the veggie garden, of course, and um, right. fruit trees. Then we mm-hmm. stepped up and got a cow. <laughs> I, paid, <laughs> yeah. I paid $35 for my cow, and, uh, and you, you could milk it without any feed or anything. It would just stand there, and my brother-in-law paid $25, and he had to chase <laughs> it around every morning and every night to get it and put it in the bale. <laughs> <And, laughs> that would have been a great fun. anger for, for the set-up for the day. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, so now it was good. And out of that, like, I built a lot of alternative houses myself. I live in one. And, uh, All right. Well, we'll talk, we'll talk about that later on. But uh, So where did you do your carpentry and joinery apprenticeship? With Cochrane Constructions uh, in Melbourne. Bill Cochrane was president of the master builders at the time. Good mm-hmm. old Scottish family they came from. Mm-hmm. Put up Captain Cook's cottage, they did. Really? Yeah, yeah. In with, where is that? In botanical gardens, isn't it? I think. Uh, were you involved in that? No, no, I wasn't. That was a, before your time. That before okay. I started. But uh, yeah. uh, they were in the middle of the road kind of uh, construction company. Good, good ones. So, you know, put on apprentices and all that kind of thing. Not one yeah. of these super yeah. getting get rich mob. Actually, nowadays. How did you? Um, well, how did the apprenticeship go? Was it pretty easy, or was it a lot of hard work? Or? No, it was good. It was a old traditional one: one day at school, four days on the job, and uh, mm-hmm. for four years. And also uh, for two years, I did night school building technician course. That's kind of gets in a bit so what, deeper. What, 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 what was that? A building technician course? What, what yeah, was that I, I don't know. It was kind of a step up from being a trades person, um, right. more leaning towards the engineering end of it a little bit, you know. And, right. Uh, but that, I didn't right. complete that. I think they didn't have an instructor on the third year or something. Right. So anyway, that's. So, mm-hmm. so how old were you when you when when they let you out into the real world as a carpenter? Uh Maybe 21, I think. 20. 21. Oh. No, no, oh, God, I'm morning. Um, 72, where does that put me? 72, oh, yeah, 20, 18. Uh, I, no, that's no, no, when 72. I started. I started in 72, so it's like four years right. out of 72, 76, 76, yeah. 76, yeah. And, and you were still living with your brothers and sisters and mother up no, at Yarra Junction? No, 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 no. From year one when I was... I lived in boarding houses and this and that down what, in Melbourne, in the suburbs, yeah. Elphington, St Kilda, Fitzroy, mm-hmm. South Melbourne. What was it like living in boarding houses in the in the seventies? Uh, well, originally it was just a private board, or there's only myself and maybe one other person in someone's house. Right, oh. and. Um, and then I, towards the end, it was a boarding houses down St Kilda, and then a flat on that, she right. was butcher or something. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was all pretty okay. So, when and you I, finished your apprenticeship, did you continue to work for the same company, or did you strike out on your own? Oh, for a little bit, I blotted me books there a bit. I got a bit too union involved, and uh, right, tell us about that. <laughs> Why did you get the union involved? No, well, I, I was just on the rallies and all this and that. And, the, and then it uh, led up to the big, uh, what was it, seven-week lockout? Or I think it was seven weeks, yeah. And yeah. Uh, 
like I said, not, my boss was the president of the master builders, and they laid us apprentices off too. And I said, you're not allowed to do that. I said, we've signed indentures. So I went down to the predicate commission and told them they're not allowed to lay us off. And they said, that's correct, you've signed indentures. And so they had to take us all back on. And, right. And we didn't have a tradesman, and you weren't allowed to work unless you had a tradesman to supervise you and teach you. So we virtually sat out at the yard and did nothing. <laughs> got paid. That was my bit to help the union to get the blokes back on the job. But, uh, yeah, uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have been thanked for that, would you? <laughs> no, I wasn't thanked. I stayed on a bit. And then uh, after that, I went and worked on the Thompson Dam. All right. And, and, uh, Tell us about that. What were you doing? What's the carpenter doing on the Thompson Dam? Actually, we're putting putting up all the dongas, the huts, and the, the kitchens and everything for the at the campsite. Right. So it was an uh-huh. actual big dam we worked on. We right. were working back up a campsite. Yeah. So were, were you in the union then, or you were still not in the well, union? Yeah, I was uh, been in three unions. Uh, ASC and J, which is Associated Society Carpenter Joiners, and then the Building Workers Industrial Revolution, and then when that turned into the CFMEU, I've been in that ever since. Right, so you're still a member of the CFMEU? Yeah. Uh, retired, uh, retired. Retired now, but I paid for the last 20 years, and I never worked on the building site, but I still paid all my dues up every year because I worked for myself, you know? Right, so, yeah, uh, yeah. Independent well, contract. I didn't have to be in the union, but I just did it on yeah. principle. Yeah. So, so, uh, so what's so what's so important? I mean, you're an independent contractor, as you said, the last twenty years. What's what? Why did you continue with the union? Why did you do it on principle? What's the principle? I just believe in the, the working class person and, and the stand up. I mean, the unions are going to hell in the last couple of decades. I mean, yeah. number wise on that. Everyone pulls out. We'd be where a lot of workers are nowadays. You know, there's been no pay increase for I don't know how long. But, uh, yeah, yeah in all the conditions. You know, people have to work two, three jobs to keep ahead and all that stuff. No, it shouldn't right. be the case. Right. During that period when you were, before you were working on the Thompson Dam, were you involved in any political activity? Activities or um, social type of community type of activities. Uh, my dad had a strong interest in um, something called social credit. Right. The movement started by a major Douglas back in the thirties. Mm-hmm. Uh, came came a bit. Who looked into the monetary system, and that's been a major interest of mine all, all these years. Uh, he kind of discovered that money was created out of thin air. It's been something that one person who I know just said, one thousand can understand, only one in ten thousand can describe it. And I'm not the one in the ten thousand. No. It's <laughs> kind of basically when a bank lends you ten thousand dollars, it's only giving you one thousand dollars of deposits it has, and the other ten thousand, other nine thousand is put into the economy as a as a debt. And mm, where this major capitalist right. found out that uh, it could be put in as a credit. Mm. And much to my amazement, back in the world financial crisis, a little word crept into the news and the commentary on the radio, and that, and it was called quantitative easing. That's, that's right. exactly what that was, creation of credit. And then only two weeks ago, that Alan Collins of the Eureka Report, yeah. he was talking on the radio about a book that he's very interested in. I think this Alan Collins does the financial report on the ABC TV News too. Um, right. There was the new book is that just came out this year in in, in uh, June. It's called The Deficit Myth. Modern Monetary Theory and the Birth of the People's Economy by right. Stephanie Ketton. And I'm very interested to read that. And I was talking to Craig's old secretary, Ballarat, Brett Edgerton, yesterday about 
and told, told him about this book, and he said, you read, he's got it, so he's going to lend it to me. So anyway, yeah, that, that that's, was a big So you're interested in, you're, so you're in, were you involved in any organisations, or did you do any work in, in that area? In there was a little collecting and all that, but it wasn't really an organisation. Uh, right, right. And, uh, they so I still have an interest in that. Right. During so the financial time... crisis, I, I put a film line up at Trades Hall, Ballarat, and, you know, it's called The Money Masters, How International Banks Gain Control of Credit Creation. And, uh, right. I think, I think it's been the biggest... We should have control of it. We have us for people, the government. And yeah. I, I always say that the biggest traitor act in Australian political history was... Hawk Keating selling in the Commonwealth Bank. I've oh, heard you say, Joe, it. just the word Commonwealth, you know. That's it right. shouldn't be in private hands, it should be well, that's the people, right. the government. Built in 1911 because the privately owned banks were going bankrupt and people were losing their money and they wouldn't lend money to ordinary people. You know, people couldn't buy a home. And that's yeah. why the Commonwealth Bank was established by, what's his name, O'Malley. In 1911, yeah, and, then, and then a Labor, and that was a Labor Party, one of the first Labor parties in the world, and then you get a Labor Party privatised. Yeah. Well, Labor and, and Liberal, just, I say they're both, when it comes to fighting against privatisation and, and all that, they're both equally as guilty, you know? Except, no, totally guilty. Yeah. So after you left the Thompson's Dam, did you stay around Melbourne or did you go travelling? Uh, I bought the bike that I wanted, I had a bike from second year apprenticeship or third year, second year. Old, you're, you're not talking about a push bike, are you? No, a motorcycle, I should say. <laughs> then I saved up. I, I, went, I went and worked on Thompson Dam for the sole purpose of buying a Harley Davidson, which was very rare bike in those days. I don't know how many. What bikes. you? Yeah. Yeah. So you had one of those loud washing machines. <laughs> well, old blokes had come up. At petrol stations, as I say, geez, are they still making these? I had one in the war. <laughs> but, uh, right. And anyway, that <laughs> took up a many years, and still got all my bikes and enjoy them. Uh, yeah. So, so you always had a passion for motorbikes, or did you yeah, yeah, develop yeah. that as an older man? I still go to the and I put up the posters for the classic motorcycle racing abroad for twice a year. Have you got have you got any scarf to show for your motorbiking? Not too not too many. Well, not too many. You know, I had a broken leg at one stage. You tore you, you, you broke your liver. No, I should. <laughs> a leg. I broke my leg. Oh, a leg. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, lucky to survive if you ruptured your liver. No, no. Just a little. What do you like about? Yeah. Yeah. What do you like about motorbikes? Ah, just the the freedom of them. The, mm -hmm. the, 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 the you know, getting the wind in your face. You feel you're part of the part of the right. nature corner. It's uh, yeah. like when you're in what some people call a cage, a car. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we often talked about that together at Eureka. 
and through yeah. the cold months, people would bring a story they'd written or a poem or a song or something. Yeah. Yeah, I've met your mother. She's a very. Imp- I've met her on a number of occasions at Eureka. She's a very impressive woman, you know. Very yeah, impressive. To, Physically as well as intellectually. <laughs> oh, she, she she enjoyed sitting next to Ellen. You did a part of the joke. The, yeah, yeah. She took. She got too old to come come to Eureka. Yeah, after Lisa, after you um, met Lisa, what type of activities did you get involved in? Well, the very first night I met her, day I met her, young and technical, she had me off up to Trades Hall for a fundraiser for plumbers or something, what do you think? And yeah. in the car park. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that got me... Like, I was involved with the union, but paying my union dues, but uh, not being active in it, you know? For, for yeah, a yeah, I understand. Years. And so they got me involved in more protests and things, and, uh, you know, East Swanston Dock, I don't know where all of these things come in. And, uh, oh, Patrick's back in the news, isn't it? Pat- Same people, Patrick's, isn't it? Oh, yeah, look, the MUA's involved in a... Uh, Little dispute down at uh, Sydney, Sydney Walls. It's part of their Sydney. enterprise bargaining. And uh, the oh, Prime okay. Minister accused them of extortion because they had a four, four hour stop work meeting. Oh, totally really? legal. Oh, yeah, and it's Patrick's. They, they, they've made a deal with Dubai, but uh, they can't make a deal with Patrick's, which want to, want to take away more rights. So they, they haven't learned anything. They haven't. That was 20 years ago, wasn't it? Over 20 years ago. Over 20 years ago, yeah, it was a big. Uh, because I remember you, I remember you down there. You're a pretty big bloke, you know, an imposing presence Don't physically. Tell the truth about that, Joe. I had no idea at all what the docks, where the docks were. That was my yeah. second time I'd lived in Melbourne. Um, uh-huh. But I heard on the radio, so I rang a taxi up immediately and said, "Get me down the docks." <laughs> and because yeah. uh, when they said the, the goons were down there with the balaclavas and the dogs and all that. Yeah. Yeah. We were down there that whole. I went down a lot of times, but uh, it was good to be there on the big night when when they thought they'd break through and they didn't. Uh, tell us about the big night. Mm, sorry. That, that's, uh, tell us about that night. Well, the call went out that they wanted people down there because the cops were coming in in military style fashion. Uh, and, and so I got down there and we stayed all night and we did the hook up and link up and hook up, you know, linking arms and all that and back and forwards. And I was on top of the barricade there, uh, seeing what the goons were doing, uh, running back and forwards, back and forwards. And I realised, I think they were just trying to divert us, to split us in half, because half were facing the cops at the front and, and a few... A few Half of us, not half, but we were trying to guard the back from the goons. And uh, then I said, go to the front, go to the front. And everyone went to the front and, and the cops couldn't get through. And then uh, the great morning happened and they couldn't get through all night long. And then the, all the building workers marched here in the morning and the cops had to do a U-turn and go back and go away. That's right, <laughs> yeah. It yeah. had been very, very bad, that... Yeah. No, it was, a, it was a, an important struggle because it brought people from all walks of life together. Yeah, yeah. You've got to remember, there'd been a Supreme Court ruling to actually ban people from going there, and that was ignored by thousands who went down there. Yeah, well, it was, in a, it was a, a peaceful community, what they call it. They didn't call it a strike. They didn't no, a community, community uh, struggle. Yeah, yeah. Community picket. Event like that. It was it was a community picket. That's right. Yeah. Another time I saw you... uh, the sign everywhere saying S11, S11. I couldn't work out what it was. Right. And then I finally someone told me for September the 11th, our September the 11th, not the one that happened a year later in the US of A. And, yeah. Uh, I went to, I figured out where to go, RMIT, and I went to a few meetings there. 
um, got the gist of what was going on and then came up here and asked Trade Hall Secretary uh, Graham Shearer at Ballarat could we have a, a room and uh, was put an ad in the paper uh, to get the Ballarat mob going to go down to the S11 protest, which had no union uh, support at the time. It was uh, back in charge of BRACs had just got in government, and uh, and, and, and uh, I think they didn't want to embarrass him. But it was a beautiful community uh, demonstration for three days, four days. I think you you were oh, there. I think uh, you, yeah, it was there. Uh, we, were, we were part of it. We actually um, were involved in the uh, first foray. Uh, a small group of us, we uh, occupied the stock exchange on the day it started, and all the police <laughs> were in. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, I heard about that. Thank yeah, you. yeah. We, we, just, we just got the list and walked went up and blockaded the stock exchange. We had flags and things. and we stayed about a half an hour, and then we thought we'd outlived our welcome, and uh, we walked out. And as we walked out, there's these helicopters and police cars like, <laughs> arriving, you know. <laughs> it was oh, so yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. We didn't realise they were looking for us. <laughs> we yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that, that's in Collins Street or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, uh, it was, uh, good, good. Well done. Yeah, yeah well, we, we didn't realise all this fuss was over us. So we were just looking at all this and thinking, what's, what's all this about? <laughs> Great works, great works. <laughs> yeah, remember, remember uh, Ruth Martin? Sorry? Little Ruth? Ruth? Remember Martin. Little Ruth? No, that's I'll okay. I think I may, yeah. No, yeah, she was part of it. Uh, she was a prim and proper lady, you know, you know, dressed okay. to the nines. <laughs> ah, she was great. A prim and pr- no, well, it's good when you get different people from different walks of life. So yeah. You can't yeah. try to bag them down. Did you, well, did you I ever meet? Uh, I'm not a military person, or part, you know. And it's, uh, yeah. But Brax called us un-Australian, and next day an old bloke turned up on a horse with the, with with the light brigade uniform, with the ostrich feather and all, with the sign saying, "Is is this Australian enough?" You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Who was it? There was, an, there was another actress who. Yeah, I remember, I remember that. There was a lot of people. It was huge. Over 10,000 people blockaded the... Uh, yeah. It was like... Over 10,000. And the news reports, you'd, uh, they'd be saying something verbally, you know, demonstrators um, being violent, this and that, and you'd see the actual pictures, and it was the complete opposite. It was the cops yeah. building up... You know, under skinny, vague, and hippie girls. Yeah, they had to pay compensation to a number of people because of uh, lifelong uh, injuries. Uh, right. I know one woman. I know one woman who had her leg fractured who they paid compensation to, but it took years for that oh, okay. to police approaches. But uh, it was vicious. It really was vicious, and as you said. Yeah. see one picture on TV and they say violent demonstrators. <laughs> They're on the ground being beaten by batons, basically. Yeah. I remember one time there, we all looked up arm in arm and just completely surrounded the complex. I felt a bit mm. of a goose over an old bloke on one side and I forget on the other side. But and, and uh, but the cops were there and, and the security guards were there. You know, all these same goons, but they didn't have balaclavas yeah. on, so I yelled out, oh, you're, you're not so scared of little vegetarian hippie girls as you were at Painters and Dockers down these swamps and dock, eh? You don't need a balaclava today. Yeah, <laughs> I got yeah. smiled like hell. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, well, well, I think they're on. important. I think they're important things we need to remember because everybody thinks that struggling is not worthwhile, that you always lose. But there's a lot of times that people win and I think we win more times than we lose actually when you look at all the uh, things that that people enjoy around us they didn't come out of thin air no no but uh, I almost think that was the last 
for in good protest. You know, there are so many different people from different walks of life protesting yeah. against so many different things. I'm saying, yeah. saying that all wrong, yeah. but uh, you know, against privatisation, against selling off of this or selling off of that. The, the, yeah. the, it's like we, it's like everyone's given up now. It's, uh, well, it does seem like that. Uh, some days it seems like that, and some days it doesn't. When you see young people take to the streets, you begin to. I think, I think what's happened is our generation has given up. There's a few people like you and me, and uh, people like uh, the late Lisa and uh, a lot of other people who yeah. did their fair share. But most of our brothers and sisters, who were supposedly radicals in the 60s and 70s, are now part of the investment class. I've noticed. Yeah, yeah, they all sold out. <laughs> Yeah, they all sold out. Uh, I don't know why. From the 60s, I just was on the tail end of that, but looking the great hopes. Now, now they have a 50th anniversary for Woodstock, and people turn up in corporate helicopters. <laughs> yeah, look, I, re- I remember you in um, 2004 when they had the 150th Eureka celebrations in Ballarat. You know, the big, yeah. the big one. And you were actually protesting out there. You, mob of you. What, what was what was all that about? I was actually inside giving a lecture, and you were outside protesting. Oh no, that that, that was the um, citizens democracy conference. They had the they had the one inside, and yeah. it was going to be fifty dollars to attend. That's and right. Somewhere for we can we can have our own free citizens one outside. <laughs> It, it, yeah, wasn't, it, yeah. it wasn't in opposition. It was just uh, trying to be egalitarian again. Not everyone could afford fifty dollars to attend a democracy conference. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you spoke at that, Joe. Too. You spoke inside and outside. Yeah, I did. But I was the only. I was the only speaker who spoke at both conferences. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Now, a few people yeah. turned up. I remember. That I remember. There was only two of us to start with, men That's and right, old yeah. comrade activists. <laughs> there were about seven securities of watches. Yeah. But uh, I spoke, stopped and spoke to us. Shinano Guzmo, uh, I always pronounce yeah. his name wrong. He's a team on this day. Yeah. yeah. That's an insane. We've got a few people talking to us. Leader of the opposition yeah. from Canberra. So, no, it was, it was good. And, of course, two years prior to that, you'd started to reclaim the radical spirit of Eureka, if I'm not the head. And, uh, yeah, well, that's still going on. It's going to be yeah. a bit difficult this year, but we're going to... Uh, currently, in regional Victoria, you can have groups of up to 10 meet, and yeah. hopefully by December it'll be up to about 30 or 50, and we're going to have a ceremony at the grave site of the uh, Eureka Diggers. So we can't do the full, you know, 18-hour program, but we will be there, and um, especially those of us who live in regional Victoria. But I'll talk about that another day. Okay. I remember yeah, yeah. You, you were involved You were involved in the... Um, with Ellen and myself and a few other people in, in the first one, but you didn't turn up for some reason. You did all the no, exercise. No, that's what I mean. I said about a broken leg. I had, I, was it? And then I said, <laughs> said, oh, that's all. I had two broken legs because... One was on the motorbike, and then one oh, was at my partner's, six, her daughter's 16th birthday. For some reason, I ended up with a broken leg there, too. <laughs> and, uh, I, about I ended up in hospital with my leg up and down. That's no excuse for missing the first to reclaim the radical spirit of the Eureka celebration. Oh, I put up and direct you along, Bindigo. <laughs> Yeah, he did all the work. He did all the hack work in, in, in the regional area, and you don't turn up. And we said, no, "Where is he?" No, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's no excuse. Breaking too late. I feel like tripping, and when 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 you call out for those who've been, been every year, but I uh, uh, just can't no. bring myself to do it. I can't now, can I? <laughs> People have got uh, memories. No. Of me. no. Yeah, no. I so always we... look forward to that every year. It's a great, great, great yep. event. Well, we'll do something this year, but obviously can't be full-blown. We may find that people who live in Melbourne may not be able to come anyway. So uh, we will do something, and we'll do it within the legal parameters. We don't want people arrested and pushed around. Now, the other thing I've uh, 
I found uh, that you you involved me in, which has caused me a great deal of uh, work, is the uh, West Papuan uh, independence movement. Now, how, how did that, that all start off for you? Uh, I did the Timor Left Day protests out at Tullamarine Airport and elsewhere, and marches and that. Actually, went down with a neighbour who was an Indonesian bloke. So, he was, and and. Uh, Oh, different things we did to that. You know, jumped on the Geelong football bus thing and then blocked it off so they couldn't get it and then tried so they couldn't go over to Bali. And then, then uh, come over, we ran across the... John Cummins, we, we ran across the asphalt on the tarmac there uh, when Garuda Airlines was going to come down and we met security halfway across. So, but that, and I think I had something, something about West Papua then. But what really happened years, ten years later, I think, was uh, watching SBS News. I saw a West Papua in traditional gear, you know, and the, the bones and this and that. Yeah. He was laying yeah. on the ground, and two in fully westernised. Indonesian soldiers were burning in between the legs with a fire, big, great big fire stick. There must have been a third video in it. Anyway, that somehow got out, and uh, I saw that, and I got incensed. Uh, I rang Lisa up again, Lisa Crookshank, and I said, Lisa, how do I get in contact with these people? She gave me a number. I rang up. I forget who I spoke to. But we organised a protest for the next day outside the consulate in Alba Park Lake. And it was me and two little old men and another older lady and about three West Papuans, and they told me their story. And they said, <clears throat> and they said if they uh, fly their flag the morning star, they can get 15 years jail. Very set number. But, um, and I, I said, you've come up, you can stay at my place, the night before and you come to Eureka and you can fly your flag with us all day long. And they've been doing that ever since, Joe. And, yeah, and yeah. uh That's right. we started the Eureka. Yeah, it's, it's quite a magical spirit of Eureka and they're very, very happy to be yeah, part look, of it. It's, a, it, it's really, um, it's a magical moment. I don't think people understand the significance of the Morning Star and the Southern Cross. Yeah, at the because same time. The only place you can actually see the Morning Star and the Southern Cross together is the yeah. Southern Hemisphere. And uh, when the uh, when the sun rises, when we, we you know we did the dawn ceremony when we could in, in the past, as the sun's rising, beginning to rise, you can actually yeah. see the Morning Star in one position in the sky, the Southern Cross in the other position. Yeah. In the sky. And uh, they they understood innately what Eureka was about. It was about, as you said, yeah. freedom about yeah. um, uh, resistance against the tyrannical government. Yeah, still... which they're still doing. Uh, yeah. Just a little side note on that, Joe. I remember the very first time they came up and stayed the night and then we headed off at quarter past three in the morning or something. Jacob Rubnack, of course, the elder of the West Papuan Chief in Melbourne in Australia, mm. he told me the whole story. The, I wouldn't say legend because we don't call other things legends. So it's... But the, the, the belief in, in the Morning Star, and he told mm. me very, very quietly that the hearing was a bit better then, but I felt so privileged, you know, just driving there quietly and, and telling me the, the story about the Morning Star. And so, yeah, like you say, to be yeah. there with the Southern Cross and, and the Morning Star to give us a special moment. It is a special moment, and... Uh... Hopefully, not this year, but hopefully next year we'll be able to re, re, relive that. Yeah. Now, with the West Papuans, I know you're very close to the West Papuan activists here in the uh, community and activists uh, uh, in Melbourne. Uh, I'd just like to mention that uh, Natalie, who was um, one of the uh, driving forces between behind the West Papuan Women's Office in the... Uh, yes. Yeah, she died a few days ago. So, uh, oh, quite so tragic. Sad, sad. Yeah, yeah, she died. She used to do all the uh, uh, food preparation when we used right, to have yeah, the yeah, rent yeah, collective dues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah she's she's been sick for a while. 
Oh, yeah, get together. Very sad. No, oh. Natalie died, and uh, I just Jill, like to Jill express. Jill lost her husband sure. too. Yeah, Jill lost her husband. She's also involved in the West Park Rent Collective. So we just like to extend our condolences. Yeah. To and especially, I'd like to extend my condolences to Alfonso, her partner, and, and, and children, uh, because she was an um, exceptionally important person. So I'd also oh. like to thank you uh, for um, getting me involved with the West Papuans, because they are an incredible community, very loving, uh, very strong community, very uh, spiritual community, and it was a pleasure working with you to set up the West Papuan Rent Collective, so they, they have an office. Yeah, well, you gave me the privilege of putting the key in the door and opening it. It was, yeah. it was your good self who did all the, all the work, and uh, together with Jacob and others, and, and getting the yeah. program for them at 3CR. Yeah, you know, yeah. Which is great. And, 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 uh, well, they're moving forward, and I understand. I understand you had a little ceremony up there uh, just a few weeks ago. Oh, um, ten days ago, and that was that was great. We had uh, Lisa Byrne, Jacob's partner, uh, mm-hmm. has got this program going to plant trees all around the world for Dad Kamaskol, uh, who, who was killed in '61 in the plane crash. I say killed, not died. Um, and there was a, a big connection there. He, he decolonised a fair few countries and, and was in Africa doing that. And his next thing he was going to do was decolonise West Papua. But he died before that could happen. Very suspicious circumstances. They're still searching into the causes of it. And uh, so we planted the tree. Well, we've got the Deputy Mayor Belinda Coates from the Green to plant it. We've got Lance Collins, who was uh, Lieutenant Colonel Lance Collins in Timor-Leste intervention 21 years ago. He knows his stuff. Um, he gave a talk. Uh, Trades all separate. Brett Edgen gave a talk. Um, Belinda Coates, Deputy Mayor from the Greens, she gave a talk. The Greens have been great for the West Papuan course. They're the only political party that that that, that uh, done something for them. Tried Dina Tarley presented the petitions that we had to bring their course to the United Nations. Dina uh, uh, Tarley was the only senator or member of parliament, I should say, when when ScoMo was introducing the president of, of Indonesia there earlier this year, he was the only one who asked him about West Papua, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's different things. Yeah, so I just put a plug in for them. Uh, and uh, yeah, we got that tree planting done and videos and that'll go, go off to the United Nations. Hopefully that'll rouse their the, mm-hmm. the, the, the thinking again. Uh, another thing, uh, that, that's Louise's work though. Uh, what I did earlier, a couple of months ago, is I, I, I sent a, a book off called The Incubus Intervention, which Lance Collins introduced the, uh, the Free West Papuan Movement to. I gave it to Bob Dillon after he did his new song after eight years of Murder Most Foul. It talks about mm-hmm. Kennedy and Kennedy's assassination, but I'll leave that. That only raises questions, but it's... Uh, in that book, it has a whole chapter on Dirk Hamlet's golf. So, mm. so it's, uh, let's hope something can come. By the way, I'm, I'm putting a plug in. Can I put a plug in that we have a free West Papua ballot support group up here, and we meet at 11:30 a.m. on the first Saturday of each month at Trades or 24 Camp no. Street. So. You've got, you've got a very close association with Ballarat Trades Hall. Um, how long have you had that association for? Uh, maybe going back to S11, having mm-hmm. the, uh, going up and asking Graham Shear, the, sec- the then secretary, if we could use the, the rooms and that, and, which he did. And, and uh, we used to have our weekly meetings. I, just, I think that's the first time. Because I've, yeah. I've been up here about 20 years now, I think, so... Yeah, what, that, that, outside Ballarat? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a native of Ballarat. Uh, but, no. <laughs> uh, 
you've also you've also done a bit of a, of the renovation work there, have you? I understand oh, which is lean on the trades hall bar. It's lean your handiwork. I'll be a BLF bloke. We uh, yeah. yeah, we built the bar there, and we and we meet up there twelve thirty every Saturday. Every Saturday. Every Saturday, and but every first Saturday we. Whatever members, that's we have the free West Papua meeting first. Right, right. But every other Saturday, and anyone's, every, everyone's welcome to come up, come in. Yeah. Sometimes we have a bit of a barbie or a snack food or something. Very cheap drinks. Lose half the price of Melbourne trade all. Yeah. Well, I think I think I think what uh, the current uh, secretary Brett Edgerton's been trying to do is is turn Ballarat Trades Hall into a community centre, and he's been and quite he, successful. He's still doing it even through this COVID nineteen. They have so many activities yeah. on all the time, but uh, uh, of course not social distancing. But before that, it was yeah. it was being used constantly. Yeah, he's done a great great job there. Uh, uh, now you, you've lived a long, productive life, and uh, we'll be finishing the interview in the next three or four minutes. I'd just oh, like to ask you just one or two questions uh, for any of our younger listeners. Do um, you have any advice to uh, younger people who are embarking on this uh, activist, uh, an activist lifestyle like yourself? Well, it can be... Very little, to, like I said, just sending one postcard per month, you know, uh, or it can be a, a full involvement, like yourself, Joe, or like Lisa Cookshank, or like a few others, and uh, and you can give what you've got to give, you know, and uh, yeah. the, try to make the world a better place, you know, our rights and liberties, and... Uh, if you see injustice, hide it. Yeah. If you see something, something good, it can be the sm- smallest of things. I always like when I see a non-Caucasian. I've been doing this for years, a, a petrol station or something. Give a smile, okay, say g'day. You know, and, uh, you know. I think Mother Teresa said it sometime. You can make her feel so much better than the poor woman who's thanking her. You know, as she's dying. So it's. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't pay that much to turn the world around into a better place if, if you know, if, if everybody just did a bit. So right. I can't really. I haven't, I haven't, haven't analysed it before, really. It just seems. Uh, and, and all of the people in Free CA understand that, of course. And it's, there wouldn't be a person in Free CA, I don't I think, it's, it's not there to wanting to make society a better place. So. Uh, I thank I thank you, Joe, and I thank 3CR for uh, being a voice in the wilderness, <laughs> so to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a voice yeah. in the wilderness. Uh, sometimes you feel like that, but I think we have a, a greater impact on uh, people than we think. Because when you're yeah, broadcasting, yeah, yeah. you're just you're just looking at four blank walls. Or currently, I'm just uh, you find this hard to believe under a beach umbrella with some. Uh, Ida Downs in regional Victoria just to uh, keep the noise at bay because uh, we're obviously, you're in one part of Victoria, I'm in another part of Victoria, 3CR oh. somewhere else, and uh, it's not easy, but uh, no, at least we're still broadcasting. Yeah. Look, John, it's been no. a, a great pleasure talking to you today. I oh, think, thank uh, you, Joe. I uh, I, I'd like to thank you for, for opening up and sharing your experiences. And it's been a pleasure knowing you for the next last 20 years, and hopefully I'll know you for another 20 years, and maybe we can come to each other's 100th birthday party. What do you reckon? Uh, we'll have it up at Eureka. <laughs> we'll have it up at Eureka. Look, yeah. why, don't we, uh, why don't we finish the program by reminding people about the Eureka Oath? you remember the re- Eureka Oath? Yeah. I'm sure you do. All right. Off you we go. Know. I'll let you uh, end off with the uh, Eureka Oath, and I'd like to thank you for all the work you've done for so many uh, causes and for uh, uh, humanity. So uh, let's uh, sign off the Eureka Oath. You start off and I'll, and I'll follow you. We swear by the Southern Cross. We swear by the Southern Cross. To stand truly by each other. 
to stand truly by each other, to fight to defend our rights and liberties. And fight to defend our rights and liberties. Thank you, John Lawrence, and hopefully I'll see you at Eureka in a few weeks. All the best. All the best. Thanks, John. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.